0: this is the gambling gauchos once ryan joins i think we'll start with some basketball and then get to a little big 12 football talk uh, across the big 12 Uh, lots of stuff happening this weekend gauchos after dark as always brought to you by barnett howard williams we hope you never have to call them but if you do you're in great hands several red raiders over there they're like triple and quadruple graduate Red Raiders, so you'll be in great hands if you ever need Barnett, Howard, and Williams. They cover people across Texas and beyond They're at Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Ryan, the game tonight, Um, we didn't think that Texas Tech would win every game by 20, um, and quite frankly, I'm not upset about anything that happened tonight except for the continued maybe turnover issues that you see there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a team that's a lot better than a lot of people think. Obviously, you know, you were projected in a lot of models to be about a a 10-point, 13-point winner. And so, you know, nine points feels a little bit closer than you'd like. But that's a pretty good Louisiana Tech team. I think it's good for you to run into some resistance before Maui. Um, I think you got a chance to see that your team needs a little work uh, breaking the press and playing down the stretch when it's close, I think. Those things now give you a week to prepare for them. But other than that, win's a win. I think they did some good things. I think the veterans stepped up well. I think turnovers were a bit of an issue. Tonight was really the first time that I've seen them really struggle to communicate defensively. There were a couple of missed rotations, which is kind of a given as a team learns to play no middle. But overall, I think a pretty good performance. I think you... You learned some things and you got put in some situations that you you like to be in before, you know, you're playing Creighton and Big 12 opponents.
0: Creighton with their own kind of, not issues, but a couple of uh, close games as well. In their own right, Uh, across the Big 12, a couple of issues early. Oklahoma already with the loss, TCU. Um, losing a bye game tonight, uh, I believe that is the epitome of brutality. So, you know, a nine point win against Louisiana Tech uh, against a coach who knows your program inside and out. He just was here for a year. Um, I, I think the main issue this team has right now is depth behind Daniel Bacho, and that solved with Fardos being healthy now. Can you survive a non-conference without depth behind Daniel Baccio? Yeah, probably. I don't think Georgetown is a bad matchup, but you're going to run into a team or two as a dominant big that's going to be an issue for Texas Tech um, fairly soon, I would think. Maybe in Maui, maybe in the SEC Challenge, maybe early in Big 12 play, but um, that certainly is a weakness in my mind. Kyle, at the game tonight, how was the atmosphere?
2: I can't feel my face when I'm with you. It's pretty cold walking back, so I can't feel my face or my hands. But uh, honestly, are we ready for some hard truth right now, Rob? Yes, I'm ready. Crowd was flat. Okay. Student, students were, you know, they, they reserved the whole upper deck on that end of the court for the students. And there was about six of them up there. So I think, you know, it reminds me of 2 days back in the day. Everybody's jazzed for the first day of practice. Then there's a little bit of a hangover on day two. And then by day three, nobody wants to be there anymore. So I think the, the new season excitement has worn off. And Louisiana Tech wasn't a quality enough opponent to get everybody jazzed. And granted, the play on the court kind of feeds into the crowd and vice versa. Uh, maybe at times there wasn't a ton for them to get up about. But uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the both the quantity and quality of the attendance tonight.
0: It's also 30 degrees. and I know basketball's played inside, Kyle, but uh, getting out and about on a 30-degree night maybe uh, dissuaded some people.
2: Yeah, um, people can come up with all sorts of excuses to not show up to a game, uh, just like there's so much to do. Like, there's the beach in L.A., so nobody's going to go to one of UCLA's six home games. And if we want to start making excuses like that as a fan base, that's fine. But we can't simultaneously pat ourselves on the back for being an elite fan base. Is that fair?
0: Hey, I've been on that all year, man. I've been on that with the football team. You you won your Twitter bracket. That's cool. Uh, But you got to be a little more bark than you are bite or vice versa. I guess with a fan, barking is more important. But you also have to bite along with your bark. Yeah, I agree.
2: It's time to do it in real life, but I won't harp on that. We can talk about the game now.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, anything else? Uh, do you have anything else on the game, Ryan, in particular? Or do you have a little bit of a look ahead for maybe some Maui talk? Um, or do you want to talk about TCU and how without Damian Baugh, um, they really have a second guard or a second scorer, and they might be toast?
1: Yeah, I think last thoughts on tonight. I think you're going to see a lot of the team playing through Davion Harmon and Maui. I would expect him to probably play no less than 38 minutes uh, against Creighton. I would be really surprised if he played less than 38. And I think tonight he gave you a lot of energy, made baskets when they counted. I think that's going to be a guy that you're going to lean on as you continue to find your rhythm and play against some really good teams, but... Man, TCU, we talked about it on our uh, basketball preview, and I I think I picked them as a team that I would buy, but I I really want to sell that pick now. I'm very surprised with their start to the season. Even in the wins, they looked bad, and this this isn't a team that, that should have growing pains. I understand that they've been light on depth at points to start the season, but this is a very experienced Big 12 team, and they just have not looked good at all. Um, to start their season. So I am out on TCU until they give me a a reason to be otherwise.
2: Our friend, uh, J.D. Saylor's Master of Activities, I need to give him credit because he, he warned us before any games were played this season. And he's a TCU guy. He said, don't buy into the hype. He was selling TCU. I was skeptical. I wasn't as hardline about it as he was. And it's early. I mean, they could certainly turn things around. It's, it's still November. But I think a lot of people are surprised at their start to the season. And I want to say one thing on Davion Harmon. He is point guard Noren Sodiase, Fourth year of college ball, three-year starter at his prior stops. He is the veteran emotional leader of this team. And that was very obvious tonight. And I look forward to seeing that continue in Maui and Big 12 play and beyond.
0: What it, it, You have to have that presence, and it, it's the, the buy-a-bucket mentality. If you could just go out there and cash one uh, when the team is struggling. Throughout different times when you've been successful in the last five, six years for Texas Tech, you've had different guys do it. When you haven't been a Sweet 16 team, you haven't had those guys. And even with Mac McClung and Jemias Ramsey, um, you, you didn't have that guy who could do it consistently – even with those guys, because those two guys were scoring a bulk of the points, but in certain situations, they couldn't get that big bucket. And that's why you went 500 or below in conference play a couple of times there in that stretch. Uh, if Davion Harmon can be that guy, if he can be Keenan Evans or, you know, Terrence Shannon at times last year, um, that is big. And especially big for maybe a Jalen Tyson to look like a young Kevin McCuller with a jump shot. And if he can have some consistency, I think he could be really good.
2: I think so too. Um, I don't know what all I missed early on. I'm, I'm sure y'all have – have y'all already discussed the turnovers issue? Uh,
0: we certainly mentioned the turnovers. And if you have one glaring issue, it is the turnovers, Yeah.
2: I mean I was trying to make sense of it when you were up by maybe six or eight kind of late in the game you know it definitely wasn't in hand at that point I was looking at the box score and like you're beating them in every statistical category I was trying to like it was one of those deals where if I was blindfolded and, and didn't have the score in front of me and I'm looking at the box score I would have thought we were covering and, and winning by you know, I don't know 12 to 18 or something but like the one area that you could point to was the turnovers and it was just um Brutal. It was all night. It was a bunch of different guys. You know, I don't think it's like you can just point to one guy or two guys that have a turnover issue. It seemed sort of to just permeate the whole roster tonight. And game two, you can kind of back on that a little bit. You only had 12. Game one, you had 20. I'm not sure what you finished with tonight because I haven't looked at the final box score. But I think that has to be like the number one overall concern through, what is that, 120 minutes of basketball to this point. And so – um. You're playing a faster style, so there's going to be more possessions and more turnover opportunities, but that is, by and large, the number one thing they need to get cleaned up if they want to be competitive with, like, the top half of this conference.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's interesting that it's not just one guy anymore either. I mean, Pop had four of them tonight. I think there were two that he really wanted back in the first half. Um, but like you said, across the starters, multiple turnovers from a lot of different guys, just not an ideal situation for you to be in. I, I think a good sign, though, is Davion Harmon tonight led the team in assists with six and only had one turnover. I think that just kind of continues to reiterate my statement about him and Maui. I think you're going to be looking to him a lot, whether it's to get a bucket or to facilitate a clean offensive drive. I just think that he is a really smart college basketball player. He's proved that um, throughout his career and he's doing it again. And so I think he's going to kind of be a a get out of jail free card for you at times this season.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, If anybody has comments, questions, concerns, accusations, feel free to request to speak in the queue and we'll get to as many as we can. Um, One thing that was a positive tonight were the steals on defense. And if you get accused of stealing, call our friends over at Barnett, Howard and Williams, BHW Law Firm.com. They are a law firm made up of 3 double Texas Tech grads based in Fort Worth but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. We hope you never need them, but they're in your corner if you do. Okay, we have our first request. Carson.
0: Uh, oh, we got Spencer. We got Spencer first oh, while you were uh, doing your library. Sorry, Spencer.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to take the opportunity to remind everybody that uh, it's not something everybody can say, but Texas Tech does not lose at home. So, that's all. Hey, hey Spencer, quick follow-up. Um, does Sir Roderick Thompson have a nose for the end zone?
1: Yeah, he certainly does. You love it.
2: I'm glad both, I'm glad both guys scored on Saturday so that that <laughs> debate could be adequately settled. Because I, I, I was telling you and Rob that y'all were both right. And so to see them both score was was good. That's all.
0: I agree. I agree we were both right. And uh, I'm glad you have two great running backs uh, in the backfield. And two maybe breakout running backs uh, with Cameron Valdez and Bryson Donald, who could certainly have a future. And it's true, I think, that Roger Thompson even has an extra year of eligibility, which I do not fully understand. Um, But with COVID and red shirts and how he kind of lined up, I, I believe he could come back one more year. Uh, we'll see. He can. That's crazy to me. It seems like he's been here six years.
3: Carson, what's up, man?
0: What's up, y'all?
3: Um, I thought, you know, turnovers were definitely an issue tonight, I was coming from a student who was out the game tonight. Um, but something I've come to notice is, Uh, Davion Harmon has really stepped up as our leader. Um, he's bringing the energy on every play, helping all the guys up. I mean, I've really enjoyed watching him this season and can't wait to see what he does as the season progresses.
0: Yeah. That's the guy you were looking forward to, uh, in the transfer portal and certainly a big name. I wish he had committed last year instead of going to Oregon. Uh, I know you were in on him, but say lovey, you get him this year. And, uh, Seems to be a pretty good fit. All right, Kyle, Ryan, are y'all ready to move on to some football talk? Let's do it.
1: Let's try All
0: right, game of the weekend um, outside of Lubbock, Texas, was TCU asserting their dominance over the conference. Can we finally say that, um, that TCU is the cream of the crop and if they go undefeated, they'll be in the playoffs? No, we can't say that.
1: <laughs> I, I think the playoff is, is probably fair at this point. I think if they win out, they kind of control their own destiny. But I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like I'm still waiting to see exactly who they are. I think that that game just taught me a lot more about how bad Texas is more than it taught me how good TCU is.
0: I I kind of love that that's the narrative all year long, that it's, it's never really TCU doing anything. It's just... Either the other quarterback got hurt or or uh, Quentin Johnson wasn't playing. Yeah. No, that, that's like every game. Anytime
2: they win, whoever they beat, whatever their opponent was, who nobody had anything bad to say about going in, all of a sudden it's like, well, they'll have to show us a little more than beating Oklahoma State in overtime at home. Or they'll have to show us a little more than beating Kansas State. And now they beat Texas. and uh, I think Baylor, I think that's a really good matchup. Uh, I think people are like way out on Baylor after the K-State loss, but uh, Vegas has that one close. The analytics have it close. That's a, that's a legit rivalry game. And so I'm excited for the revivalry. You know, it's a game that has kind of over the last decade or so always seemed to be high stakes for at least one team or the other. And I'm sure Baylor would love to ruin TCU's playoff hopes, but I'm there as far as TCU being the cream of the crop in the big 12. And I don't, I mean, how many how many games do they have to win before we finally tip our head and say, okay, yeah, they're the best team in the Big 12?
0: Did you see the article from the Dallas Morning News today? Uh, I believe maybe it's Sherrington that uh, CDC wanted to hire Sonny Dykes and the boosters <laughs> blocked him.
2: Yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, think about if you're the Texas athletic director, there's no way that Sonny Dykes was number one on your list.
0: At yeah, that the point SMU you know. guy.
2: Well, like, he had one good year at SMU coming off of a pretty good stint at La Tech, a group of five school, and then a mostly mediocre stint at Cal, where he was fired. Like, there's no way he was number one on Texas's list. I mean, we were here in Urban Meyer and all this stuff. Like, there's no way Sonny Dykes was up there. I have a hard time believing that. But a lot of people have said that's true. So, I, I guess well, I don't know what to believe, but I'm skeptical.
0: I mean, it's not like Sark had a, a glowing resume. I mean, he was like 500 at Washington and 500 and, and resigned at USC. And then he goes to Alabama as the offensive coordinator. And uh, I don't know. It didn't like it. He didn't have a glowing resume either. So I, I kind of believe it, believe it a little bit, but man, just, just a weird piece to come out today. The week after they play TCU, it just was a little fishy to me as well. Um. Baylor, Kansas State, if you're looking at the kind of the power rankings, it's TCU, Kansas State, one, two, um, maybe Baylor, and then a gap. I don't know. I don't know who's four, five, six. Is it Texas Tech? Is it Kansas still? Um, how are y'all looking at the power rankings, especially after Kansas State did what they did to Baylor? Uh, we'll start with Ryan there.
1: Yeah, I think TCU is on top for me right now. I can see that we have some some of our friends from Lepton Drinking Club in here and they were not happy with my first TCU take. And so I think it it goes without saying that TCU is at the top of the conference right now. They've played better than anyone else. They they've definitely proven themselves to be a playoff contender and so they're at the top. Kansas State is who follows for me, I think. You know, to throttle Baylor like that was was pretty surprising, um, especially given just the way that these two teams kind of match up. It was interesting, but I, I have no idea what's going on throughout the rest of the Big 12. It's a complete mess. There was something circling today that was showing that there's a legitimate possibility for every team in the Big 12 to make the the, the Big 12 championship game, or at least for Texas Tech to make the Big 12 championship game, which is just ridiculous and, and kind of goes to show where this conference is at right now. But I think TCU is number one and they've got a, a pretty good gap between them and Kansas State at two.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy looking at, at the parity in the conference. I've seen that where all 10 teams can still get bowl eligible. And I think there's also a scenario where like eight or nine teams can finish either five and four or four and five in conference. And then Texas Tech – still has a path to the conference championship game i mean like 12 games would have to go exactly the right way pretty much um but there i think they would like win a, a five and four tiebreaker over a couple teams if they all finish the right way so it is really hard to sort the middle of the conference especially when you show up games like texas versus baylor um on the docket and oklahoma i think is a team that's hard to get a read on their sort of week to week. You know, sometimes you think, okay, yeah, Oklahoma, they look top half of the conference and other weeks they really don't. So I guess it's up for grabs. I mean, teams like Texas Tech or Kansas or Baylor in Texas can sort of, you know, control that narrative a little bit over the last two weeks. If, if any of those two finish or any of, the, any of that group finishes 2-0, I think they'd have a case to sort of be third or fourth in the power rankings there behind TCU and Kansas State. Um, but we had also talked earlier in the year about when Kansas stormed out to 5-0, and we thought there was a decent shot that they would actually finish 5-7 and and that they might be playing in the Sunflower Showdown for bowl eligibility against their arch-rival, in-state rival. And now the tables have kind of turned. It might be Kansas State that is playing for a Big 12 title berth, and Kansas could play the role of spoiler in that game now that they've already clinched bowl eligibility so there's some you know even though tcu has their ticket punched there's a lot of intrigue i think uh really top to bottom in the conference even this late in the season
0: so we talk about the top half of the conference and i do think kansas maybe is four or five in the power rankings just depending on how you look if it's not i don't know texas tech Uh, and as you guys are saying if you finish seven and five in your texas tech and I think Kansas State finishes seven and five, and Kansas finishes seven and five, and Texas finishes seven and five, and Baylor maybe even finishes seven and five. There's some strange way that you only have to go up against Kansas State and Kansas in the in the final tiebreaker, and you beat them because you beat Kansas, and Kansas would have beaten Kansas State. It's it's wild. Um, but let's talk about Oklahoma State, who. I thought had just quit on the season after they beat Texas. Uh, after the Kansas state game, they look clueless. Uh, they lose to, what was it? West Virginia. And then they kind of just bounced back this week and or they beat, they beat West Virginia this weekend. What was it? No, Oklahoma beat,
2: state, Oklahoma beat state Iowa beat, state. they beat Iowa state this weekend. They didn't lose to West Virginia. Well, who did they lose to last week? They lost, they lost- to Kansas state. They lost to Kansas last week.
0: Kansas, that's what it was. Two weeks well, ago no now, I guess. There's no shame in losing to Kansas. Anyways, Oklahoma State going on that stretch to the Sunflower State. Um, but they bounce back this weekend against Iowa State, and Spencer Sanders kind of is all of a sudden healthy in the fourth quarter. Um, do they end up finishing strong? Can they win Bedlam? Uh, and if well, they win Bedlam, Oklahoma's coming to it trying to get a bowl win.
2: Yeah, I'm – uh, if we have any Oklahoma State fans, especially ones with like a, a Rick and Morty avatar that want to chime in that might know more, please do. But I'm confused on the deal with Spencer Sanders. because I, I thought he was out and then he was, he was healthy enough to play, I guess, but didn't come in until the fourth quarter versus Iowa State. And so if he was healthy enough to play, I guess I'm unsure why he wasn't healthy enough to start. Um, but they're obviously a different team with him at quarterback. And so I think they can still make some noise if he's healthy enough um, to make place for them. You know, OU is not good. Norman's a tough place to play. But I would think of those two teams in Bedlam this weekend that Oklahoma State is the one that feels like they have more to gain and more on the line. So I hope he's healthy and ready to go because I would like to see him play in Bedlam again. And I think they still have a shot, um, an outside shot at the Big 12 title race if everything falls the right way.
4: What's up with Spencer
0: Sanders, historic?
4: So, uh, from what I know, is he, you know, originally separated his shoulder back in the T- at the TCU game, and they were kind of uh, back and forth, and he was actually making the call of whether or not he was feeling well enough to play. Um, that just seemed to get worse, especially in that Kansas State game where he just got killed. Um, so he got hurt there and sat out sat the whole Kansas game. Obviously, that was bad. And then came out of nowhere, uh, played the fourth quarter last week, which was a little bit surprising. You could kind of tell that they were trying to save a couple guys for Bedlam, get them back, but it was not going well in, at that Iowa State game. He came in, saved us. So I'm still skeptical of how healthy he really is and how much he's just gutted it out. Uh, but we've had a, quite a few guys that are pretty banged up. Uh, two, two of our defensive line guys uh, Tyler Lacey and Trace Ford are question marks for this week as well. Um, so our line depth is also taking a hit, but I, you know, Spencer said he's going to play this week, and I think it's he's the final decision maker on that. So I think he we will see him at Bedlam. Um, but that that the OU being favored seven and a half is surprising to me, especially since that came after the announcement that Spencer was going to play. Can I get a temperature check on Mike Gundy as the head coach? Yeah, well, you know, coming into the season, he was typical Mike Gundy, like super confident. So usually when we see that, uh, he knows he's got a pretty good squad. So coming into the season, I think he was pretty confident that this this team was going to make a run for the Big 12 championship. Uh, a couple different things contributed us to not – us getting there, and I—I I, I know you guys were talking about it earlier, but I—we're mathematically eliminated at this point. I don't think there's a, there's a route for us to get in anymore. Um, you know, Gunny's taking some heat, especially with those two losses to Kansas State and Kansas. Uh, just the team didn't look like they were prepared. Didn't come out well, especially in that Kansas game. Um. And, you know, Derek Mason, the defense coordinator, is taking a lot of heat as well. But, yeah, he's, he's uh, I don't know, he seems to be more confident this week. You can see it in his press conference. He was feeling pretty good. Um, but it's uh, not been his best, best year. Um, I think there's been a lot of mistakes, especially as, as fans have been very critical of a lot of the choices he's made, and especially with Spencer Sanders coming in in the fourth quarter at a, nowhere i think a lot of people were surprised and um kind of questioned that decision but obviously spencer felt good enough and you know i think at this point everyone just wants to win bedlam and i think they would be happy with how we were able to turn around after all the ups and downs we've gone through who does oklahoma state finish with uh west virginia at home and that's that's a early game 11 o'clock and west virginia doesn't seem to know who They want to start a quarterback.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you a hard question. All right. If Oklahoma State loses out. Yeah. Are are people calling for Mike Gundy's job, or is it just kind of like 2015 or whatever it is all over again, and it's going to be fine, and they'll coach another seven years?
4: Well, here's what I'll say. There will be people calling for his job. You know, if we don't beat every team by 20 points, there's people calling for his job. That's just the nature of it. Unfortunately, he's the good, and bad thing about him is he's changed the standard that a lot of us fans have uh, for OSU football. Um, so there are fans that get mad if we're not, you know, Brandon Weeden and Justin Blackman blowing teams out anymore. Uh, but the reality is, is you know, I, I think a lot, a majority of people will be happy, appreciative if we can, you know, get out. If we if we went out, especially if we beat OU again this year and finish off with West Virginia, I think you know people will be disappointed, especially with the expectations of you know contending for a Big Twelve championship. But I don't think they'll be too upset with the uh, with the way it played out and Spencer Sanders being hurt uh, that we were able to get out of it with uh, another Bedlam win. Fair enough.
0: Hey, thanks for chiming in. Uh, what is that? Like the eleventh. Bedlam win of the history or...
4: <laughs> yeah, for, uh, 20th. So we're, we're oh,
0: okay, 20th, sorry.
4: <laughs> Be nice, Rob. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, thanks for chiming in. Yep. Uh, the real T.J. Otzelberger, always a pleasure to, to join the program here. Um, can I get you to give us the top four teams in the Big 12 and then uh, your thoughts on Iowa State?
3: Yeah, i uh, probably say... You know, obviously TCU really showed who they are on Saturday, so you, it's got to go TCU number one. And I was really shocked with Kansas State blowing out Baylor on Saturday, so I would I've got to go Kansas State number two. And then I really don't know at that point. I I would probably put Baylor there, and because the, I still think Baylor's good, and I think I think TCU's got a tough game on Saturday with Baylor come with Baylor at home, so. And then I just don't know who that fourth team is. I I think you have to say by default, Texas. Maybe Oklahoma State. I don't think Oklahoma State's as good as they were. Do you have to I, say Texas? I don't want to, if that's what you're yeah. saying. I, I don't want to.
0: <laughs> I don't think any of us do. Uh, I think Spencer Sanders' Oklahoma State is, is maybe four. Uh, certainly not Gunnar Gundy's uh, Oklahoma State, but... I think Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, could still be four.
3: Yeah, you know they're they're a different team, but Iowa State gave. Both teams didn't want to win the game on Saturday, but Iowa State didn't want to win it. even That more. is so true. Iowa State didn't want to win it. Win it no. even more. so. That's. I mean, I just don't know why what's going on right now with them.
0: Has uh, Matt Campbell lost his edge? People are saying.
3: I, I don't. There couldn't be more job stability with Campbell, but I even on defense I think that too. But with the offensive side, I think something's got to change. And even if they win the le- next two games, which I highly doubt, they're still gonna have to make some changes because you, they can't run the ball. Period. The, the last three games they played Oklahoma, Oklahoma, who was, can't run the ball. They played. Uh, West Virginia, you couldn't get the ball. You couldn't start running the ball till the fourth quarter, and then now what? Uh, Oklahoma State, and they they've been terrible on defense.
2: I think after the Iowa game this year, Matt Campbell accepted the Nebraska job, and so he's not been focused ever since then. and That's why Iowa State season went downhill. They're just waiting till after the season to announce it.
3: I sure as hell not because I brought <laughs> a lot of Hoyberg to him. So
2: yeah, that's true. I forgot about Hoyberg.
0: Eli, what's up, man? Uh, thanks for joining us. Top four teams in the Big 12 and, and maybe some Iowa State thoughts heading into sure. this
5: week. Um, I would say definitely TCU one, for sure. Um, two, man, that I mean, there are just so many teams in this Big 12 that just are beating up on each other at this point. Um, man, I I would maybe put K-State up there, but now Adrian Martinez is out, and so I'm not 100% sure on that. Three, I mean, maybe put Texas there, maybe put Oklahoma State there, Baylor. But four, I mean, I I do think Texas Tech is very good. I do think that. Um, I think you guys could be in the top four, definitely. Um, my thoughts on Iowa State. Um, man, it's just uh, defense. Defense is top, ranked top ten in the nation, and our offense just can't help them out. They're always on the field, so our defense will give up lapses and. It just hurts us defensively when they're on the field the whole time. And so I would say something offensive needs to change. Um, I've been seeing that if we do somehow beat Tets Tech or BTCU, we could make a bowl game five and seven. It is possible, but that's just where I'm at. I don't know what you guys think, but. Jerry, I went and did
3: some looking. Jerry Palm says that there's, they're going to, they're projecting two, five and seven teams to play in a bowl game. And. The first one is Rice and the second one would be Iowa State if they could somehow win one more game. Yeah, yeah
0: seen I think that. there's some there, there's some uh, what is it? The ADP or whatever that number is if Academic A pro- APR, yeah, the APR. Yeah. Iowa APR. State's worth right. APR. I, I I don't know. I if if you're
5: five and seven, I would decline a bowl.
3: Iowa State needs it for practice. They got all these young guys, they just <laughs> need more practice time.
5: Exactly, our whole basically our whole offensive. Like we lost Brees, Hall, Kohler, um, Purdy. I mean, you lose everyone, and all you have is Hutchinson on basically on the offensive ball, and everyone else is new. So, I mean, I would think like they might accept the bowl game just for that. To practice for the young guys and work towards next year. I mean, I know you won't get a great opponent being five and seven, but I mean, practice is something that we need and could help us benefit in the future. I would say. I just knew we weren't going to be as good as last year. But if we could just get some practices in, I think we can make a stride next year, hopefully. The projection is the
3: first responders bowl in Dallas against a horrible UNLV team.
5: Oh, wow. Yeah, who we smoked last year. Well, that'd be the Alta Burger Bowl, wouldn't it?
3: Again, yes, it would be. Yes. (laughs)
5: Beautiful. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: Uh, offensive line coach getting fired there at Iowa State or... Because I've seen a lot of that and the offensive
3: coordinator talk. So this is is what I'm kind of torn. You know, Iowa State has had the chance to be in every game this season. And Mm -hmm. they're coming right down to the very end of every game. But I think the offensive line has regressed since the 2020 season when we went to the Big 12 Championship game. Won the PlayStation Festival. But I'm not so torn on on Tom Banning being fired because it's not – the players are not making plays. We've dropped four touchdown passes in four different games in the fourth quarter to go ahead, and we're just not making the plays right now. And, I mean, frankly, it's not on the offensive coordinator he's calling the right plays. It's just we're not making the plays.
2: Mm
5: -hmm. I would totally agree, but I would say I think the offensive line did regress. I totally agree with you on that. I think it just didn't look like last year just because we, we have a pro, Brees Hall, who's a pro now for the Jets, just having him run the ball. So, I mean, he could have got out of everything. And the O-line didn't have to do much when he's bouncing it outside every time. But then this year when they're trying to run the ball middle, they can't even do a QB sneak, I think, just because they don't trust the offensive line to get a yard even. They'd go it from shotgun because they don't trust the o- offensive line at all.
0: Yeah, if you look back a couple years ago, it was always the offensive line that Iowa State was lacking. You needed the offensive line. And then you had David Montgomery, who got like 1,000 yards after contact. And then you had Brees Hall. And you've just kind of had a long stretch where, was the offensive line improved? Or did you just have two really good running backs in a row? Um, Because it seems like Iowa State has struggled to build an
5: offensive line. I would say, um, yeah, I think it's just I, – I think it was the two running bats because this year we do return some players from our offensive line last year and it's just kind of shown over time that maybe that wasn't them doing all the work. It was mostly our running bats who could bounce it outside, break tackles like crazy, get to the edge, and now when you see this year with starters – that came from last year, not improving or not being as well as good as blocking. I think that could reflect on the offensive line coach as well. I think.
3: And, you know, I've heard a lot of it, you know, is we've got a lot of young running backs in the program other than gyro Brock. We've got, you know, two redshirt freshmen and then a a true freshman running the ball. Um, And, you know, Brock tore or broke his foot. So he's out for the season. So we'll be relying on three freshmen the rest of the way, but a lot of it is the, the running backs aren't hitting the right holes either. Which Iowa State runs a zone, a zone scheme, and maybe this is the scheme that they need to change in the off season because it hasn't worked since. I mean, since I mean, frankly, it didn't even work last year with Brees. He just he's just really good and can get get by people. So they just kind of they just need to they need to pay John Haycock not to leave and keep all those young defensive players and then they need to rework some stuff on offense.
0: For sure. All right. Thanks guys for chiming in. Uh, Oscar, if you want to try again, I think you, you misconnected, uh, Kyle, Ryan, kind of a final thought call here. Um, big 12 weekend, maybe the final two weeks, some bold predictions or anything else you want to throw out?
2: Um, no bold predictions all, I guess, leave the floor open for Ryan. I think he's got something lined up for us previewing Maui on YouTube. So I wanted to talk about that and maybe give everybody a little snippet of what to expect from that.
1: Yeah, no bold predictions this weekend. think that Baylor game might be interesting, but other than that, looking forward to watching a, a good Texas Tech-Iowa State game and, uh, very frigid conditions it should be a a fun game to watch but at some point this week over on the gambling gouches youtube channel which you should go subscribe to a lot of great content over there including kyle and rob fighting over a piece of paper i'll have a video up previewing uh, some of the teams in maui maybe what texas tech can do to help propel their offense what they need to be cautious of you know, there's a lot of eyes on that tournament, and rightfully so. It's a big set of games for not just the start of your season, but also thinking about your March resume. And so want to give a little bit of a rundown on some of those teams and possible scenarios for Texas Tech, and so be on the lookout for that over, over the next week.
2: Hey, Rob, I guess my final thought is a quick prop bet. If you had a free ticket to the tournament in Maui or a free ticket to Ames, Iowa for the game, how much cash would you need on top of the ticket in Ames to turn down the Maui ticket?
0: Um, if ooh. well, like I would rather like me and Maui.
2: If I so yeah, if I gave you a ticket to Ames plus a thousand dollars cash or Maui, yeah. which one would you choose?
0: I I think it'd be Ames and like five grand. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I'll need like a whole new wardrobe and a couple of jackets and. I was going to
2: say, that's enough to buy some gear um, at yeah. Cardinal Sports Center to bundle up. Maybe some snowshoes. Ryan, how much cash do you need to go to Ames instead of Maui if you had a free ticket to both?
1: Well, I think I was reading on uh, Red Raider Sports that Chris Level actually got to pick if he wanted to go to Maui or Ames, and he chose Ames. And so yeah. if
2: he did that on his own Football willpower, guys. then...
1: I feel like I need to as well because that's just – that's
2: pure alpha
1: male energy from level there.
2: Yeah, that is alpha, and and that's why I was asking because I heard that he turned down Maui, and I was like, man, I don't think I could have done the same if I were in your shoes. Like, I would have needed some added incentive there. But, yeah, props to level for that.
0: I'm not ashamed of uh, avoiding snow, though. Uh, It's not about the money. It's about the memories you make on the bridge is what I hear there in Ames, Iowa. Uh, All right. I think that's it from us. Thanks again to – barnett howard and williams kyle you want
2: to tell us about them one more time to take us out yeah bhwlawfirm.com they're one of the few law firms in the state of texas that certified for title IX litigation they do criminal defense family law catastrophic uh catastrophic energy that sounds cool catastrophic injury not as cool they hope you never need them but they're in your corner if you do they're based out of fort worth so our, our tcu brethren might appreciate that even though they got all six of their combined college degrees from texas tech thankfully Barnett, Howard, and Williams, thank you for your support of the Gambling Gauchos.
0: Love y'all.